Hello, hello, and welcome back to History from the Big Chair. Once again, we are very excited to be doing this today. Yeah. Very. Yeah. So, so how are you doing? I'm doing good. How about you? I'm hanging in there, doing all right. We uh, we have some news that yeah, came out. Yeah, I was just out. about to say. Take it away. I believe this, what was it? You Tuesday believe? This, I do. <laughs> <laughs> This would have been Tuesday, right? I think was announced. It's Tuesday, isn't it? Yeah. It yes, was Tuesday. I think. Um, on Tuesday, um, Paul Sinclair from Super Deluxe Edition. Shout out to Paul Sinclair. He does a fantastic job with Tears for Fears. He did the interviews for all three box sets. Wrote the forward for The Seed of Love. Distributed the uh, Stephen Wilson 5.1 Atmos Blu-ray for Tipping Point. And now we are getting a Stephen Wilson remix of The Hurting, which yes, is very nice because we had a Hurting Blu-ray in either 2013 or 2014. And all it was was a just a high-res stereo mix of the 2013 remaster, which was nothing special. I don't even own it. Oh, really? It, I don't own that one, though. No, kind of escaped me. There's actually one up on eBay right now for like 25 bucks, But since I'm getting the Stephen Wilson one, mm. I have absolutely no need for... Because this is so much more. We get 5.1. It got announced. We get the original stereo mix in high, in, uh, high res. I think we get the original stereo mix. I don't know. Uh, we get a stereo mix of the instrumental album, which is very cool. Mm-hmm. And then we get two previously unreleased songs from the uh, sessions that they did for Pale Shelter. The single version. Is it Mike Hallett that produced it? I I wouldn't know. <laughs> it, yeah, I think these two versions, it's Mad World and Watch Me Bleed. And these have never been heard before. They're previously I mean they've been heard no. before. They've some people have them on these really strange universal copyright things, whatever. Mm. Yeah, I never even knew these things existed. They were found on accident. We're going through the master tapes for the hurting, according to Stephen Wilson. So, okay, yeah, I'm looking forward to this because um, the Dolby Atmos mix, which is awesome, Blair, will be on Apple Music. Yeah, so there's Lucky accessibility. Yeah, and I have a Atmos soundbar for mm-hmm. my uh, TV, so I can do for that. Um, Stephen Wilson has done a great job with their catalog songs from the Big Chair. He produced a very punchy mix. The Seeds of Love, he gave a very dynamic mix. And The Tipping Point, I prefer whatever he did much, <laughs> much more than the final release version. Because the release version, though, songwriting is pretty darn good on The Tipping Point. I find it's just a little too brick-walled. Especially a song like End of Night, you know, like with yeah. headphones, it's a little screechy. Yep. Stephen Wilson's mix is a lot of dynamic. So I do like that. And I'm Hoping, you know, he does the rest with Elemental, Raul, and Happy Ending. And I, I'm not ruling it out, you know? You never know. I'll have to listen to the tipping point one. I, I, unfortunately, unlike you, I don't have the the soundbar thing. But I'm sure it probably still sounds different you know, with headphones. Yeah. Yeah, so I have to go and check it out. Forgot to, uh, there's a, I always forget how to say his name. The uh, One of the audio engineers at Ibrox 2 is Miles Showell or something. He's done a lot of releases recently, and there is a half-speed master of the Herodin coming on the same day as the Blu-ray. Um, 
it's just a standard 10 track album you have like a nice ob strip with the abbey road studios logo and um half speed mastering is great technology i have a few mccartney half speed masters and they all sound fantastic some of the best pressings i own and he does a great job he's done all the mccartney ones i have and it's $40 on the band's website, but if you order from the Universal Music Store, you discover music, it's 33 And that's where I'll be getting it from. So it'll probably come out on, like, you know, the record stores and everywhere else. So it'll be an accessible release. So, yeah. Yes. That's very, it for the news. Yeah. Very cool stuff. Yeah, I look forward to this. Yeah, I, I won't be getting it. I just... When it comes to the releases, I'm kind of like a main release type of gal. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Like, it's cool. I just... I don't want to spend my money on extra stuff. <laughs> um, uh, like six ticking points. <laughs> yep, exactly like that. All right. So, um, today, we are discussing pre-Tears for Fears history. Yes. Graduate and even touching a little bit on Neon. Absolutely. Um, so go ahead and take the wheel. Uh, how are we starting this out? Because I guess the main thing with Graduate all starts with uh, what was known as the Baker Brothers, which yes. was Roland and John Baker. They were mm-hmm. an acoustic duo, I guess a folk duo, so I like to, uh, Roland said recently. Mm-hmm. And they basically would, I think, on... This is according to an uh, interview, I think, from the Creative Independent he gave last year on the Tipping Point. He would uh, play a hairdresser's on Saturday, and that's where they do their first gigs. They do, like, I think, Simon and Garfunkel songs. You know? Yes. And, they... and actually, um, the song that they would open with, uh, him and John, um, it, the song was featured in a movie called The Graduate, which is where the band name comes from. It's a great movie, Dustin Hoffman. Classic soundtrack. Great film. I have not seen it. It's good. I recommend it. <laughs> a lot of Simon Garfunkel songs in that movie. A lot of good, a good, a lot of good songs. But uh, yeah, that's where that started. And I believe... You believe? Yes, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> we need an I Believe like sound bite. Yeah. That would be so like funny. A, we need like a sound effects board. But uh, I might whip one up. I believe... You believe... Um, <laughs> Steve Buck, yes, who played the keys and handled the flute. Yes, he did. And, and Andrew Marsden, I think that's how you say his Mar- name. I think it's Marsden. Marsden. Yeah, um, the, the S comes before the D. I believe they were contractually signed on, and I don't think I think from like a management company. I could be misremembering. I don't think they like knew each other or like breastmates like Roland Kurt War. Yeah. I think Kurt was brought in because they needed someone to play bass and mm-hmm. like sing. That's what it was with that. And um, where it mainly started, like it was the core five members of Graduate. Obviously, mm-hmm. we'll get to what happened after Roland and Kurt left. There was like a second coming that really didn't materialize. Yeah. And actually, you kind of touched base on that a little bit um, a couple months ago for one of the Fun Fact Fridays, right? Yeah. Yep. Cool stuff. So I believe um, mm-hmm. when they signed, I'm going to hand myself, originally, um, they were approached, I believe, by... How many times are you going to say you believe, man? I don't know. I <laughs> think it was a man named Tony Hatch, mm-hmm. who I think 
was he a uh, Tony Hatch would have been the guy that signed the Pie Records. Um, funny thing, his son is the one that replaced Roland in the graduate role. Yeah, and he wrote the Crossroads theme, which was a famous soap opera in England. I th- I think yeah. I don't know much about my soap operas, and <laughs> he wrote the uh, classic song uh, "Downtown" by Petula Clark. You know that one, right? Mm. Maybe it's a '60s tune. I don't believe so. Uh, I a, don't believe it's a classic. And uh, recently, Anya Taylor Joy uh, did a cover of it for the uh, Last Night in Soho film, the Edgar Wright movie, and she mm. did a pretty good job. Yeah. I didn't know she sang. Yeah. So uh, on the basis of guys named Tony, just to backtrack a little bit more, you go to 1979 with a man named Tony Hill, mm-hmm. who I think was a... Uh, <laughs> I heard that stutter. Yeah, I You think, were going to say you believe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was. He ran a, uh, I think, a license plate dealership. And the whole hmm. thing was... His license plate was Mad One, M-A-D, and then the number one. Mm. So um, I guess to promote his business, um, they recorded at Crescent Studios in Bath on the, uh, for I think the label Blue Hat Records. Yeah. Um, they recorded two songs, Mad One, which was a, I guess like an infomercial. <laughs> I really know what it was. And somebody put out the fire. Which is a interesting song. Um, hmm. I guess basic, it makes sense it, that Mad One is a promotional song because it's very interesting. It's it's quite dancey. Yeah, it, it is. Yeah. I kind of I kind of like it, but at the same, same. time, you know, it's like a love hate almost. Because yeah, there was the really good website back then. It's still up. There's a YouTube rip, and it skips in a few places. It has, like, vinyl dust and on it and all that. Mm. And then the old website, um, Memories Fade, which is still up, has it as a, as a downloadable RAM file, which I can just play, like, a VLC media player. And that one actually sounds pretty okay. There's no skips or stutters, but it's a little compressant. It's like a 2000s audio file. I'm not expecting a RAM file to sound like a high-res lossless streaming file, you know? Shout but, out um, to Memories Fade. Let Memories me just Fade's put that out there. Website. Memories Fade is a great website. I I enjoy reading it from time to time, even though I've already read it all. Um, it's very good. It's really informational. Um, I hope the guy who ran it, I hope he's doing okay. Like, props to him. It's very yeah. impressive. Absolutely. And um, I... I... I don't know exactly how they came to do this. I've never been able to find information online how they were approached by uh, Mr. Hill to uh, do this song, but it's a little disco-y. Maybe. Yeah, like I said, it's quite dancey. Um, I did have a question that maybe you would be able to answer. Um, who sings that one? That is Roland and John Baker. Okay. I think doing a co-lead and Roland does lead in some parts. Okay, because I, I noticed it sounded kind of weird yeah. in a way. So I was like, I, I couldn't tell who sang that one. I think it's Roland and John Baker doing co-lead, but it might just be Roland. I don't know. Hmm. 
and it's produced by Roland. He would have been very young, considering this is 79. Yeah. I think this was recorded in April? Or mm. it's early or the mid-79s when this was recorded. So this is a very young Roland was about handling the production. I don't wow. think it sounds that bad. So he was my age then. Must have been, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Wow. So what what are your overall thoughts on the songs? I think I've got all mine. Yeah, I pretty much already said, like, um, when I took notes, all, you know, all I wrote was it's very interesting, very dancey. Yeah. Vocals are kind of weird. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty much all there is to it. And then uh, B-side, which yeah. a little confusing here, because I don't know if this was a promotional thing or like a commercial release was uh, Somebody Put Out the Fire. And this is the only graduate song, to my knowledge, to feature John Baker on a lead vocal. Mm. Okay, I was going to ask who sings that one again, so thank you. Yeah, that is, um, that is John Baker, yeah. If there's anything I have to say about it, is that it kind of it had a little bit of an older sound to it, a little bit of an oldies type of feel to me, in a way. Yeah. I can't quite describe it, but it just it gave off that vibe to me you mm-hmm. know I'm dating myself as a gen z when i say the word of vibe but it's true it's true <laughs> what about you what do you have to say about it i think i like this more than mad one interesting you know it's a bit of an interesting song like i like is that a violin in there something like that um interesting and then in the choruses you know it's a little loose and then you have roland doing like a deep vocal of I think he said I get yes. to you or something like that it's like a little cameo you know but mm-hmm. I do like this song and you know maybe like you figure 79 you know punk was in Sex Pistols Clash this is feels very dated it feels like something that would have like been around in like 76 77 mm-hmm. you know so I don't know it just feels like a little past it's time yeah that's yeah but you know roland when and kurt went on to do much much better yes <laughs> that's how they still put <laughs> in, it. indeed they did and, and i feel the same way about what we're about to talk about now which is acting my age the only studio i'm to graduate's name um when will we be discussing those uh, live tracks in between probably okay yeah. Alright. Yeah, so acting my age. Um, I guess before we go song to song, overall notes. Um, it definitely has its own distinct sound, and that I do have a respect for. Um Acting My Age is very ska. And I guess it's it gets pointed out in Elvis should play ska. Mm-hmm. But it's very different from Tears for Fears, and that's what I find to be quite interesting, seeing where they came from and then moving on to tears for fears and then within tears for fears changing so much but music always changes yeah yeah absolutely you know it's kind of surprising because i think the song was mostly recorded and got put out in 80 mm-hmm. and they toured most of that year and then they tried recording another album sometime late 80 early 81 and then it just didn't happen but you figure in this short you know period of time they went from doing a song like Shut Up, You Naughty Boy to <laughs> a song called Star for the Children that has like a lyric about right. you know, the pain of birth. What is it worth? Exactly. So, you know, 
And something I've always wondered. It's the transition from child to man. (laughs) (laughs) You know, regarding graduate tears you fears was were the songs from the hurting around the same time the graduate songs were yeah like was the song like memories fade written at the same time as julie julie you know mm-hmm. and i think it's if anything the graduate album though not you know 100 strong it proved that at a very young age Roland and kurt had a very strong pop sensibility yes because i'm like they didn't always have to write serious stuff mm-hmm like, I think they actually, if they didn't go down the path of hurting the song conviction or doing, you know, political music, you know, music about mental health and all that, I oh. think they could have definitely been like a, a McCartney. You know, if, if Roland stuck to that, he could have definitely made some, like, good pop hits, basically. Oh, come on, I mean, though. We, we love the hurting. We love we Big Chair. Come on. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to try and manifest getting more graduate. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. Um. What would you categorize... Um, acting my age as as a genre because I said ska but I feel like there's more to that and I just I can't think quite it's pin more it. mod revival that's what Wikipedia says mod yeah. revival kind of like trying to do like a 60s type of yes you know Mersey hit makers type of thing trying to be the Beatles but not yeah I get you like a lot of those bands at the time that sounded like the Beatles like stuff like that yeah but I do enjoy it, you know. It's it's something. It's more like a historical thing, like a document. Yeah. Like this absolutely existed before Tears for Fears and whatnot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think it's also something that a lot of the general public doesn't know about, you know, because everyone knows, you know, the Beatles were before those Beatles was the Quarrymen and all that, you know. Mm. Yeah, a lot of people make no stuff about like bands, you know, before they did other things and whatnot. But and we are, we like... are one of those people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So actually, another thing I want to point out. This is just like personal observation. Um. Maybe it is something that's been actually confirmed, or maybe I'm just a conspiracy theorist. But um, I'm led to believe that uh, the head over heels line. In the second chorus, Have You No Ambition is a direct callback to Ambition. Definitely could be. Because it has the same exact line repeated over and over. Yeah. Um, it makes sense. That'd be crazy if they uh, you know, pulled an Ambition reference. I never even thought of that. <laughs> I As soon as I heard it, that's the first thing I thought of. I was like, where have I heard that line before? And then it clicked. I was like, oh, Head Over Heels. And then also with Head Over Heels... Um, the background vocal in the second verse, nothing ever changes when you're acting your age. I I believe that it could also quite possibly be another callback to graduate with acting my age. It, may- it does. Now that you say that, it's like my world's turning or something. You really never-, never have thought of that. I feel like I knew the ambition one, but the whole nothing ever changes when you're acting your age, never even thought about that. And then I feel like this one's a stretch. So this one, I don't personally believe myself, but then um, nothing gets done when you feel like a baby. I'm like, maybe it could be premature baby, but that one does seem like a bit of a stretch. Maybe. But those other two, those are completely, like, I could see that being Deliberate. the reality yeah. of it. Yeah. And that would be really cool if that was the case. Yeah. 
I'm surprised so, you never thought of that. Never, never did. No. <laughs> All right, so let's get into the album here. I think it was released on Pi Records. Shall we talk personnel? I mean, yeah. there's not much to it. So, I mean, you've got Roland, vocals, lead guitar. You have Kurt, bass, vocals. You have John Baker, who was one of the Baker boys and is now a corgi. Um, he was also featured on Elemental for um, backing vocals on Cold and Break It Down Again. Um, in graduate, he did rhythm guitar and vocals. Then you have Steve Buck. He did keyboards and flute, which awesome. I love, and we'll get there. And then lastly, but not least, you have Andy Marsden. Um, he did drums, but he also then went on to do drums on the original version of Suffer the Children. Yeah, the David Lord produced one from uh, 81. Yeah, that yeah. one. So let's dive into some music. All right, so this was released on Pi Records, I think, in England. And it came out on Precision Records in, like, 2001 on CD or something like that. I don't have a copy of it. It's streaming, thank the heavens for that. <laughs> <laughs> I actually have a vinyl copy I hear from my mother, and it's a Spanish pressing. Mm, it's wow. Spain. It's an, it's an imported thing. I think yeah. my aunt picked it up for back in the 80s or something like that. I don't know. Wow. So, um... Track one is the title track, Acting My Age. And there's actually three videos of them performing songs from the sound on Spanish television. It's Acting My Age, Elvis Should Play Scott, and Bad Dream. Watch. <laughs> yes. Yes, you know, they are. If you look at early live videos, because I watched the Acting My Age video just about an hour before we recorded this. If you watch live videos of Tears of Fears, I guess on like Top of the Pops, or like there's the one germany show that like gets bootlegged a thousand amount of times there's the pop carnival show and whatnot you can really see roland was very reserved on stage like very like to himself not very expressive like he would be in like 85 90 so it's kind of funny watching him so animated yes you know exactly i'm i'm really fascinated by it me too uh, i do like this song and I guess, you know, like, a lot of the songs on this album do kind of have some lyrical similarities to The Hurting. They're just not as dark, I guess, and introspective. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, a lot of songs on here do touch kind of based on, like, childhood and, like, all that yeah. stuff. Like, you know, I'm never ever acting my age. You know, that kind of relates to, like, you know, I'm acting like a child, yeah. you know, or, like, maybe I'm acting too old, you know. So, and musically, I do think it's pretty good. Though it kind of like gets repeated a lot with these graduate songs between this and the Ambition album, where a lot of the guitar solos are just the vocal melodies. Mm, you're so right. Because I noticed that because I'm a big Weezer fan, and that's like a Rivers <laughs> Cuomo thing. You just, you know, have two verses, two choruses, guitar solo, and it's just the melody. Mm. And it's like, okay. It's an easy way to go, though. Yeah, and they were is. they were young, so I get yeah. it. So yeah, I'm gonna just write each song real quick too, out okay. of five. Um, I give this song a four out of five. I do enjoy it. Yeah, I enjoy it. Um, that the video. I mean, no offense to Roland, he's he's really animated, but he's just he he, as my dad said, he looks like a squirrel on crack. <laughs> oh my! And oh my! <laughs> wow <laughs> marked explicit um 
No, but it, it's funny though. It's I I enjoy it. Um, the song though, I like it. It's catchy. Um, I think I would mark it as my third favorite from the album. Nice. In terms of rating, I, I, yeah, um, four out of five. Why not? Yeah, it's it's fair rating. That's also what I guess. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Track two is a Kurt Smith vocal. Really? And he sounds very different. Yes, he does. Sick and tired, yeah. Always believed that this was John Baker for some reason. Mm. But then after I listened to this, because he also sings Happen So Fast, uh, Me or You, and um, I See Right Through You from the Ambition album. Yeah. And it just sounds like the guy I'm sick and tired, so it's Kurt. Mm, um, interesting. Some really good bass playing on this album, too. You know? I noticed that. It's pretty tight, the uh, rhythm section on this album. I don't know. This song really just doesn't do a lot for me. But Same. It's not like something I you know get up and change that I don't like it. I think I just about enjoy every single song on this album to a certain extent. Yeah. I don't love all of them, but I don't dislike anything. Same. Yeah, I feel the exact same and this way. This is one of those songs that I could just like get by with. So I'll give it a three and a half out. Yeah, it definitely when I listened to it, it had more of it was it had, you know, that ska type of feel because it, you know, it had the two four parts. Um yeah. But yeah, it, it's okay. Getting all technical over here. Wow. If yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's okay, and it's, it, I just found it to be kind of boring, but I guess like you said, it, none of these songs are escape. it's kind of just like a... Nothing's offensive on the sound, you know? Yeah. Because there's like some Tears for Fears songs, like Ghost Papa, where it's like, why did you do this? <laughs> you know, oh, but God. I don't find anything on this album to be like offensive, you know? Offensive. So, that's, that's the best word I can use. <laughs> so, what, what are you rating for this one? Oh, probably, I guess, probably three. Uh, nothing will go below three out of five. Ex- okay, that's wrong. But oh, we'll no. get there. So oh, no. three out of five. <laughs> All right, so next track is Ever Met a Day. I love this I song. love, I love this song. I love the flute and the interlude. I love it so much. It's so groovy. Um, and actually, whenever I listen to the song, um, it reminds me of the one meme that you made. That's... <laughs> Oh, you know it's, what it's I'm the one about? where I have rolling the curtain like a maze, and it's just yes. blasting, and it says, "Yep." Isn't just have you ever met a day where it seems like no one wants to know you? These guys have. <laughs> yeah, no, like every time I hear that song, instantly that meme comes to mind. Oh, that's, that's great. Um, it might be my favorite on the album, actually. I'm, it's my second favorite. It's it's for me. It's between this and another one. Which we'll get to, but it's I I rate it five out of five. Good um, rating, good rating. Steve Buck did so good on the flu. I mean, damn, he got made me feel like I was in the Lord of the Rings or something. <laughs> like, and there's a, a great video of them doing this on uh, Runaround, which was a children's uh, game show on ITV. Yeah, and I really enjoy that because it's actually a really good live performance, good mixing, good performance. John Baker's on the keys because Steve Buck's on the uh, flute. Yeah, flute. Yeah, and they had him play the tambourine for whenever there wasn't any flute parts. <laughs> what would you rate the song? Um, I'd give this one a five out of five. And there's a lyric I noticed in there. Like I said, there's some crossovers between this and the hurting, like some, I guess, introspective lyricism. And I think yeah. in the second verse, it's 
I'm looking for a light and for a home, wishing there was someone I could talk to, but still I see no answer. All I mean is that I'm alone. I'm sure that anyone will do. That's that's, dark. (laughs) That sounds like it could be on the hurting. Yeah, like, if you slow that down and add a lindrum on it, it's on the hurting, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's how I feel. But I listened to that, because, like, they did this so well in the hurting, where they pair, I guess, bright-sounding songs with pretty introspective and depressing i guess in a way lyrics and they kind of do it here too you know yeah, it's just more hidden it's just more hidden because you know i don't know i do like the song a lot though five out of five yeah and then next track is dancing nights yeah you know I, I dig it it's 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 cute you know yeah. <laughs> it's, it's kind of cute it's also got that ska the two yeah. four yeah I don't have much to say about it. All I wrote down literally was ska feel. I dig it. So, three out of five. <laughs> yeah, I gave it a uh, three and a half out of five. Oh, we're doing halvesies? Okay. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, a song I really, really like is Shut Up. Oh. I think this song is hysterical. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, you know, it's not like I like it because I think it's great. It's a. I like it because you like it because it's absurd. I like because it it's absurd and it's like goofy, you know. Yeah. I I enjoy it because it's like funny, and it's clearly meant to be funny in my opinion. It's not supposed to be like taken seriously. That's true. And yeah, I didn't really think of the irony of it. Um, I was. It's a little too wacky for my taste. <laughs> I like um... the backing vocals during the. Uh... After, like I don't know what they're doing, but I love it. I love it. I, I don't know, really like it. I, I dislike the vocals. I mean, the, the vocals is what really does it for me. It's just, it's a weird song. So I you gotta I, admit, like weird. It's funny. It it's funny, yeah. <laughs> but, but like just because it's funny doesn't mean it has to be good, you know. It, it's funny, but do I enjoy it? Yeah, no. exactly. <laughs> um, so two out of five. Two out of no five. I give it a three and a half out of five. I'm saying I love it. I don't love it, but you know. okay. All right. I respect it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, people have their own tastes, I guess. <laughs> and then moving on to the one and only, quite possibly the most well-known song from this album, um, Elvis Should Play Ska. Um, many people mistake it for Elvis Presley, but it's actually Elvis Costello, correct? Yes, because I think he said something in the papers about the uh, Ska mod revival two-tone movement. Yeah, I forget what he said about it, but it was something regarding that. And I guess okay. Rome was like, well, Elvis should try playing Ska. <laughs> so. Yeah, he says it over and over again. Yeah. Trying to get the point out there. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, a... it's the song I'm the most familiar with. But, so this was the other song that it was, it's tied with Ever Met a Day, but honestly, I think it's Ever Met a Day. Yeah. For my favorite. Um, But, yeah, I really enjoy the song. I especially like the bass line. Oh yeah, Kurt. Like I said, Kurt does a very great job on this album because he don't forget was probably newer to bass at this point because yeah. Roland probably taught him. I don't know when. Yeah, right. It's very fun. It's a very fun song. Yeah. Um, five um, out of five for me. It's a good rating. Um, not one of my favorites. There are songs really? I like more. There are songs I like more. Wow. Um, this was the song I was first familiarized with when I was younger because. You know, most of my mom's records like went missing. They were just in our attic, you know. <laughs> so mm, okay. I never had access really 
to this. And when you'd search your true fears on the internet, graduate wouldn't graduate doesn't really come up. Yeah. So I really had because when I was younger, I used to like look around all the time online. That's how I got introduced to like the music videos mm. that weren't on DVDs and all that. Mm-hmm. So I really had no way of like knowing what this song or anything was. But I remember I was at dinner one time. It was like a whole family thing. And Tears of Fears got brought up. And then someone says something about Graduate. Mm. And it was about like, look, try to find the song Elvis should play ska. Oh. Right? So me, I went to iTunes because I was younger. And I really didn't know what YouTube was a whole lot. I just assumed like I would just watch videos through Bing. You know, <laughs> Yahoo. So I really didn't know what a YouTube YouTube was that much back then. Simpler times, you know. But yeah, I couldn't find the song, and I graduate just escaped my mind for years, mm. really. And um, at that point, um, a few years later, um, my aunt ripped the uh, vinyl onto a CD for my mom to have. She, you know, forgot. Like my mom forgot all about graduate. Wow, I forgot about graduate. So she gave it to her and she put it in like her uh, stereo in her car. And I'm hearing these songs. I'm like, this is nuts. Like, because I only <laughs> knew Tears Fears. Yeah. You know, with like how they actually sound, not this. And this was the song that like stuck out to me originally because it had a good groove, mm. had a good bass groove. Yeah, exactly. But now I don't know. Maybe it's a fatigue factor because I used to listen to the song a lot. Probably is fatigue. Because it's still like a good song composition wise, but maybe I'm just a little tired of it. I don't know. Yeah, no, I get you. And actually, you answered a question that I was going to ask. Um, I was going to ask what the first graduate song you heard was. It's probably this one. Yeah, it's, it's either it's this the or the title track. And I, I believe it's Elvis should play Scott for you too. They also performed this one on that one Spanish TV show, and uh, there's a lot of good leg work going on from Roland and Kurt <laughs> and John. They're all like in line, moving, dancing at the same time. It's very fascinating, and the footage is actually pretty good quality too, because I think it's from a rebroadcast from like the 2000s. Mm. that's why it looks so good and um it's fun watching kurt do his little leg kicks and all (laughs) Roland had his bulky white guitar i forget what model it was kurt had like this huge bass and a lot of white and they had like these dark green suits on like these lime green undershirts it was just such a fascinating look (laughs) And that's also the first time I saw them pre-Tears for Fears. I hadn't seen any pictures of them when, like, they were younger or anything oh. like that. So, yeah, seeing Roland with haircut like that, seeing Kurt looking like he got chopped, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'd give Elvis a place to play four out of five. Not bad. Controversial not bad. take, I know. <laughs> and then, um, Watching Your World. It's a nice song. I think. I, I like it. And I think it has a good sound overall. Yeah. That's all I really have to say about it. <laughs> well, this is my favorite graduate song. Oh my gosh. Yeah, this is my favorite one. I wow. think it's incredible. Um probably it's like good. one of my favorite songs Roland wrote from that early period of like eighty to like eighty three, including like hurting stuff. I think it's a really good song. There's mm-hmm. actually there's a really good um lyric in there. Uh, I think it's the second verse. It's a, you say that life is a moment when you feel the energy surge. That's a good lyric. Yeah. Roland is one hell of a lyricist. Yeah. Yeah. Gifted. I don't know who Mary is, though. (laughs) Yeah. That one did seem kind of out of place. Um, If I had rated the song, I 
I would say four out of five. It's re- I, I enjoyed it. It's really nice. I love the uh, layering and the reverb on the backing vocals and the intros and br- instrumental breaks. I love his vocal performance on it. You know, I really just dig this song for some reason. Like, I think Evermeditate is probably their best song composition-wise. Mm-hmm. From this album, at least. Yeah. The best graduate song we haven't talked about yet because it's not on this album. Well, but, it's uh, all a matter of opinion. Yeah. <laughs> but I get you. I get you. But, like, overall... um. Five out of five. Easy. Yeah. And then there's Love That Is Bad, honestly. It's one of those whatever ones for me. <laughs> yep. Exactly the same. Literally, in my notes, I wrote, kind of boring, doesn't stick out to me. And that is all I have to say about it. Yeah, because I was writing down, like, lyrics that, like, I thought were, like, pretty cool. But I was doing this uh, album and, I guess, the bonus tracks. And I just Ooh. didn't write anything for this one. <laughs> you took note on lyrics. I should have done that. You are so smart. That's a really good idea. Um, rating, three out of five. <laughs> I give this one a three out of five. It's my least favorite for me. Yeah, it might be the same for me. And then Julie Julie. Um, it's fun. It had, it had a bit of an oldie <laughs> sound to me. I hear little Beach Boys in it. Yeah, like, it's there. Something's um, in it. But... Again, I found it to be a little, eh, like kind of. It's there, you know. It didn't really stick out to me. Yeah. Um, three out of five. <laughs> I also g- I gave it a three and a half out of five just because it has like a nice little Beach Boys you know, beat, feel. Beat to it, a nice little Beach Boys. Uh, yeah. Feel to it, so I gave it a three and a half out of five. I I like it. And then last, not least, Bad Dreams. Doesn't do anything for me. I gave this song a five out of five. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> See, this this oh, one is purely based on. I think it's a good tune, um, like instrumentally wise. But I think the vocal delivery in the lyrics, like I said, this is almost like, in my opinion, a precursor to the hurrying lyrically. You know. Yeah. The lyric, uh, "Bad dreams, bad dreams, carry me up in clouds." And then it's the same old story, one, like, I forget what he says, one something something for many years, always struggling and fighting, so hard to keep back the tears, life is just a bad dream, I only hope that soon I'll wake, put an end to these nightmares, it's for mine and for heaven's sake. Wow, so like, lyrically you, I love you don't, it. You don't think really, I didn't until I listened to it last night about mm-hmm. this album lyrically, because you always assume this is before the hurting, you know, they're not going to yeah. try to be deep, this is just a pop album. No, it's like it's there, you know. Yeah. That's why I question if songs from the hurting were written around the same time because lyrics are very similar. It could have been, honestly. I, I wouldn't put it past them, especially if you had something like Suffer the Children coming out in 1981, you know? Yeah, was and it 81? It was 81, yeah. It would okay, have been either November or December. It, I think it was, I think it was actually late October. Oh, October, okay. I was over two. No, it's okay, <laughs> yeah. But uh, they also performed this one. This is the third song they did on TV. And at the very end, Roland goes over and gives Kurt a kiss. Yeah, <laughs> it's really? very funny. Yeah. Like on the cheek? On the on... cheek, I think. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> it was, it Let me go get an instant so... replay real quick. <laughs> Let me go um, see. Are you actually? Yeah, I'm, I'm curious. <laughs> okay. Um, while you do that, I guess I'll give my overall album rating. Um, It's not 
bad. You know, it's definitely got potential to it. Um, I guess I would say that I rate it a... <laughs> you got um, this, come on. <laughs> uh, um... Okay, because of Ever Met a Day, I'll give it a four out of five. I also give it a four out of five. Yeah, I was I was toying between but because 3. of this, 5. because of this, I refuse to give any tears for fears albums below a four out of five from here on out. <laughs> 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 you know, I don't think acting my age is better than something like Round the Kingdom of Spain or the Hurting. You know, so no, I guess okay. So maybe then maybe I'd give it a three. I'm also gonna give it a three and a half. Yeah, yeah. Like, now that yeah. I think about I it, think a about it, I don't bit. putting it at four out of five means I think a song like. You know, love that is bad is on par with like falling. Else, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so um. um yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Three and a half. Yeah, I agree. Um, moving on to ambition. Um, yeah, ambition was the unreleased album, which then got put onto an acting my age release. Was it two thousand one? It was the um, precision release from two thousand one. And fun fact. I don't know if there's any promotional copies of this thing that are out there. Maybe there is, maybe there isn't. I don't know. But um, there was a track listing switch up like last second. And because of that, we have yet to hear a song from this thing. Um, The song Let's Talk About You, which was recorded during these sessions, never came out. Even though it was listed on advanced releases and whatnot. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. I don't know. I think it replaced the song Think of Me. Oh, we'll get there. We'll get there. Okay, um, so Ambition. It was not too bad. Um, it was a little basic and repetitive, but it definitely had a very, like, upbeat, happy-go-lucky type of sound to it, to me. The song or the album? The song, sorry. Yeah. I can hear it. Yeah. I definitely think, though... This album, just listen to these recordings, it's not finished. Exactly. I don't think it is. I think these are just demos. probably demos. Yeah. Some songs do sound finished, though, and I think yeah, the recordings no, I themselves, I think they just needed some additional production. I definitely agree. And that's actually something I was going to say, but you just said it for me, so thank you. No problem. <laughs> um, but yeah, so if I had to rate it, uh, 3.5 out of 5, if we're doing housies. I'm also going to give it three and a half out of five. Yeah. And then, then oh, sorry. You, I'm, I've been taking the lead, even though I said you were. How about you go? <laughs> uh, next song is uh, I See, uh, was it I See Through You, or I See yeah. Right Through You? This I is, See Through You. This is a solo Kurt Smith writing credit. Wow. Uh, great Rocks. bass. Great bass. Um, it's okay. Yeah, it was, it, 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 again, it's one of those things where it's kind of boring, drags a bit, you know? Yeah, but I don't think, like I said, they don't really have any bad songs. Exactly. You know? It's just like, they're, oh, they're there. Yes. Um. So yeah, 3.5 out of 5. No. Mm, yeah. No, I don't know, man. It's 3.5. I gave it a 3.5, yes. Mm-hmm. All right, next song. This is a fun one. Premature Baby. Oh, man. I don't really like it. It's about Julian, his brother. Really? (laughs) Yeah, I think he was born premature, but that can be something I made up. I don't know. I think that's what it's about. I think you're pulling that. 
Oh, you're behind. No, I think I'm right. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. But I just don't know. It seems like something I read before. I don't Maybe. know. Maybe. The world may never know. I, um, know. I couldn't tell you. Yeah, I didn't like the vocals. Oh, I see. I think that's what makes the song. Wow, you you and I are so similar, but then we're also so different, and that's what I think is like just the best thing ever. Because you need variation. It's good to have disagreements on a podcast. Exactly. No, that's exactly what I'm saying. Like, yeah. Because you don't want just people being like, yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. You know, you want some. It's like, not you interesting want a if debate. you're constantly agreeing. You know. Exactly. Exactly. So, so three out of five. Three out of five. Uh, four out of five. <laughs> Understandable. Now yeah. the next song, "Christ Look Upon Us." Very interesting song. This was pretty. This is pretty out there. Yeah, I, I, I like the intro. You see, this one sounds complete. This song. It, uh, exactly. It's one of those complete sounding ones. Um, it's choral. And I think that's a very interesting take. Um, I do think, though, that the choral parts, at least, would sound better if there was, like, reverb to it. You know, kind of adding on to the choral effect. Yeah, but th- then you, It's very dry. You, <laughs> yes, it's very bare. But then you think about it and you're like, well, it wasn't a finished album. So no. it could have happened. It might have happened if they ever did it. But we'll maybe never know. My, uh, maybe with my AI's uh, separating technology, I can work <laughs> on that and do that. I do that someday, maybe. Yeah. So but, what do um, you have to say about it? I guess this one also had like whenever I have a song that has lyrics that stand out, I write them down, and the entire first verse of this one stood out. I'm like, wow, mm-hmm. it's it's cold out. I'm feeling real tired. The moon's up. The sun's now retired. How can I carry on like this? But would I be missed? Would I be missed? I've never seen the day in comfort. I've never seen the day a single day smile. But the pain that I feel just makes me unreal. It hurts all the while. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. He has always been a good lyricist. You know, I can't. You know, I can't say anything about. Oh, he. You know, maybe he did get better over time. But like, those are good lyrics for especially a young person. Yeah, exactly. That's what, it's just so impressive. Yeah, would you give that song? Um, I I think I'd say it's no ever met a day. So I think I'm four out of five, maybe four point five. I give it a four point five. Uh, yeah, that's I I might say the same if if I'm being honest. Um, then we have oh you boys. I, I dig, dig this it. song. I dig it. Yeah, it's got kind of an oldie sound to it. You know. Yeah. I dig this one. It's good. Um. 3.5 out of 5. Um, I, I like this one. Um, basically, I like the intro line, the whole... Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> I think Charlie's was a place in England, maybe? Bath? Sounds British. I don't know. Yeah, I feel like they played at a place called charlie's but i don't know <laughs> it sounds like something like it's one of those things you know there's a lot written about graduate online but i just don't know yeah i think it is charlie's oh yeah i just found it right here on uh the blue hat records uh wordpress website chris wave does a fantastic job 
Shout out to Chris Wave. Yeah. Uh, Charlie Brown's was a Bath nightclub where they got their first gigs. Ah, well, there, there you, you go. go. Uh, jinx. Yep, there you go. Um, so what would you rate it? Um, four out of five. Four out of five. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Um, then there's only the best. Only the best. I like this song. Man, you like the songs that drag on for me. Like, <laughs> no, honestly, it, it doesn't stick out to me. And, but you, you like it. So I think if it's a song that doesn't stick out to me, I'll just automatically know that you like it. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I like the lyric. I just want to shout how I want to hit out. Sounds like something a little familiar. You know? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, it's a good song. <laughs> you know, I, I like it. I like the chorus especially. That's what caught me yesterday was the chorus. Mm. Big fan of that. Yeah. But, um, you know, it's one of those things where I can't give it a five out of five because yeah. production, you know, like it, they're demos, you know, I have to give them some slack. Yeah. It's because I like, you know, the whole uh, you you make me feel so alive, make me feel though you feel no doubt, you know, all that stuff. I like the way he like sings those lines. You know, he sounds nice, sounds cool, and all that. So yes, yeah, it's a good song. You know, good song. Yeah, I don't. Did I rate it? I don't think I did. Three out of five. I see. I gave it four out of five. That's okay. Now we're on to my favorite song from the ambition portion. Think of me. Yes. Nice. It. It, I did I mean, this one. you know me. You know me, so you probably know what I'm going to say. It has such an 80s ballad sound yeah. in a way. It, I, I'm, I, I'm in love with 80s music, and you know this. It's my personality. Um, yeah, I, I, I like the chord progression. Um, I like the guitar solo. And mm-hmm. the lyrics, oh, I'm such a sap. They're so sweet, and I love them. Yeah, the uh, when you're was it when you're too tired to sleep and you're dead on your feet, think of me. Yeah. When you're on your own, you can't carry on, think of me. It's a good song. Cause for you mean love so much. Birds out there. Yeah. Cause you mean so much more than any words can say. Yes, you mean so much more to me. Oh, <laughs> so true. I feel it in my soul, man. Yeah, I'm on the you know Blue High Records uh website. At first, Roland, John, and Andy used to do acoustic gigs at pubs. This is one of the first non-covers they attempted. Written by Roland when he was 14. This one? This one was written by Roland oh when he was 14. Oh my gosh. Wow. That's pretty impressive, you know. Man. Like, so, do you know what I was doing, yeah. at, four, do you know what I was doing at 14? Probably, probably playing, playing Fortnite. Fortnite. Playing yeah, Fortnite. oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> what was I doing at 14? Um... I don't even remember. I was like listening to Bunny Ears podcast. That's about. That's all I can remember, though. Yeah. Anyway, it's, but yeah, think of that's, me. I'm giving that a five out of five. It's a five out of five. <laughs> it's beautiful, and like I said, it's a good song for all those lovebirds out there. Can I get an amen? Amen. I guess. I there we know. go. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just really feeling it, man. Um. Then there's happened so fast. Um. Is it Kurt? Singing? This is that is Kurt singing. Okay. That's- 
I think this is or is it Bill Smith's song? Um, his voice. The, the sound different. engineer. The sound engineer. I think his name is Glenn. You know what I'm right? Glenn Tommy? Tom, Tom? Something like that? Something like that, yeah. I think yeah, I think he actually... I'm on Memories Fate looking at the lyrics right now because I forgot to write down the lyrics for the last couple of these songs. He actually has a co-writing credit on this. Mm. And they were... There is a clip online from 1985 of Kurt being interviewed on the uh, Bristol ITV show called RPM. Mm-hmm. And he gets interviewed from like 85 times about something from Picture, and then they play a clip of Kurt act- Graduate actually playing this song. Mm. Even though it wasn't even released, they were just doing this one. Wow. And what I find fascinating is that there's so much, I guess, I'm going to go into one of my other interests here, lost media concerning Graduate. They were mm. on so many different TV shows, and a lot of them are lost. And Lost media is just the coolest thing, though. It's also really depressing because all this cool stuff is missing. That yeah, so like it's it's you win. Some just, I don't believe stuff. you know these tapes were wiped. I think they probably exist somewhere in someone's archive, you know, like some station. So whenever they want to release those, you know, contact we're me. We're waiting. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm gonna give Happened So Fast a three and a half out of five. Yeah, um, it's not too bad. It also kind of gave me more of that 80s feel. I dig mm-hmm. it. Um, you can definitely tell there was a big jump from acting my age to ambition yeah. with, the, with the modern music. Very much so. And what so. the scene was then. It mm-hmm. went from like, as I think is the best comparison I can make, it went from like, take Blondie, for example. You know, you oh, have, mm-hmm. I'm always touched by your presence and the knee. And then two hour, two albums later, you have Atomic, you know? Yeah. So it went from, the music jumped a lot from 78 to 79 even. You figure that's just a one-year gap there. Yeah. If I had to rate it, uh, what did you give it? Three and a half out of five. Yeah, I'd say the same. Um, and then last but not least, No Second Troy. I gave it a five. Really good. I like the piano. That's and probably once again, it sounds Steve very Buck on 80s. Piano. Probably, probably yeah. Um, yeah, I like it. Guitar um, solo is fantastic. Oh, for sure. This, in my opinion, could be the best graduate song out of Acting My Age and this. Really? I think this could be the best graduate song. Well, my favorite me, is still probably Ever Met a Day or Watching Your World, but this to yeah. me is the best, like, composition out of all those recordings interesting um i'd give it a four out of five that's good rating yeah um so yeah so between um acting my age and ambition um ever met a day and think of me two favorite songs um but overall for graduate they they have some stuff that really sticks out to me, and then they also have stuff that really does nothing for me. <laughs> yeah, so that's how I feel about them too. Really, it's like yeah. there's so many like, there's actually not so many. There's a few great songs, and then there's some that are like okay, <laughs> you know. Yeah. yeah. But you think of me is on another one, but the fact that he's 14 years old, like come on. <laughs> yeah. You know, some people just have that gift. Exactly. Um. And then actually, before we move on, I'd like to point out that we're now pushing an hour, which is 
it it this flew right by. I I can't believe we've already been talking for an hour. Um, yeah. Wow. So then you have the additional songs. Which which one would you like to? I'll start off with um, "I'm the Man." Was a live track they do. This is a Joe Jackson song. Mm, okay. Um, it's an okay cover. I mean, it's just, mm. it's just a band playing a live show. Yeah, really, it was really it special for me. I, I was mean, just like, eh. I know there's written records of Graduate doing the uh, classic Joe Jackson song. Uh, is she really going out with him? Which I love that song. That's a great song, and I really wish there was a recording of that instead of "I'm the Man." Because "I'm the Man" is not my favorite Joe Jackson song in the world. You know, even if, like "Stepping Out's good, but like. If there was a recording of them doing it, she would go down with him. I think I'd be a very happy man. I'm not sure if I've heard anything by him. Yeah, he's kind of in that whole uh, early new wave. Uh, okay, yeah, I thought that. Yeah, uh, I don't have a rating. It's a live performance. That's, I don't. I don't even have anything <laughs> written next to it. Yeah, all I, all I put was, eh. <laughs> um, let's go to white papers. Or do you want to do me or you first? I'll do me or you, because technically okay. this was supposed to be on Ambition, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah, there's a demo um, track listing that exists, which is complete opposite from what came out on the Precision Records um, CD release from whatever the heck that's from. Yeah. I think it's 2000-something, 2001. But yeah, this song was supposed to be on Ambition. Um, I think it fits. I think it would have added some punch to it, surely. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, it's a very interesting song. Like the intro is cool, and it's just it's kind of it's a little wacky, but like in a good way, you know. Like it, mm-hmm. in my opinion, I dig it. Is it Kurt singing? That is Kurt. Yeah. Okay. Again, like his voice. I guess his voice changed a lot but so did Rollins but yeah. Rollins is just more distinguishable yeah, I don't have a rating gave some pretty uh, strong performances in graduate in my opinion yeah yeah um, do, you, do you have a rating not really know. since there's not like proper prop, proper um, <laughs> type of sound quality for it you know? yeah for sure and then last but not least White Papers? White um, Papers, yeah. This was is this the, a song that they wrote? This is a song they wrote. They okay. prob- there's probably a studio demo that someone has. I know I've looked on the Chris Waves website, and I've looked in a lot of the Facebook groups I'm in. Shout out to those guys. They're great, by the way. I love those groups. Yes. Very, Very fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not sure. It's probably on a demo somewhere. But what I do find fascinating is that when Roland and Kurt and um, – Andrew recorded Stuff for the Children with David Lord doing production. They recorded it under the band name White Papers. White Papers, yeah. Which is just so random. They just took the name of one of their graduate songs and just used it as a band name. Exactly. Um, And I'd actually, I'd like to have my own little moment here. There was a bit of confusion with that. Yeah, misconception. (laughs) With that uh, White Papers, Stuff for the Children demo. We had a post and, about it. Um, I posted it then. Yes, you did. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it was something I wanted to fact check. So I reached out to the Chris on from the, the Blue Hat website and 
this is the exact, I'll tell you what I said, and then I'll tell you what he said. I said, I noticed for the stuff of the children demo tape, it also says white papers. I know this is a song that Graduate performed live, and I'm wondering if the name being on the tape indicates that the song is on the tape, or if white papers was a name they briefly went by before Tears for Fears. He then responds, there's one track on the cassette, a demo version of Suffer the Children. At this time, Roland and Kurt were indeed called the White Papers. Upon signing to Mercury, they changed their name to Tears for Fears. So there's our confirmation that Tears for Fears were in fact called White Papers when they recorded that demo. Yeah, it's not it. the song on the tape. It's it's that's their name because if you look at the tape, there's only one um, duration. Yeah. yeah, white papers is also in parentheses indicating it's not even a song. You know. <laughs> yeah, so we would just like to put it out there. You know. Yes. Set white the record papers, straight. <laughs> set the record straight. No, no beef, no madness. White papers was their name. On that particular demo tape. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. But yeah, um, now in terms of the live performance, it you may agree with me, you might not. Um, when I heard it, it you know, it's it's got that kind of. It reminded me of Santeria by Sublime. Really? That, that's who does Santeria, correct? It's Sublime. Um. I'm pretty sure it is, and my my dad will hate me for even questioning that. I'm pretty sure it's Sublime. Santeria is a sublime song, yes. Okay, yes. It it reminded, it gave me the same type of feel as Santeria. Yeah, I can hear that, yeah. It's definitely there. And I like that song. And I definitely think this song was worth a try in the studio if they, they probably did it. We just haven't heard it. It's just out there, but not on the stuff for the children. No. <laughs> Set the record straight once again. <laughs> um, yeah, that's... Um, I don't have a rating because it's a live performance, but Me neither. Yeah. So graduate, they had some very interesting stuff. Um, you know, on the surface level, you'd think, oh, it's just a band before Tears for Fears, but there's honestly, as we have discussed, there's kind of a little more to it. You know, there's some fantastic stuff hidden in it, in my opinion. Yeah. And then, did you did you actually have anything more to say about graduate before? Right. Yeah, real quick, uh, just doing some more uh, searching on. Uh... The Blue Hat Records uh, website, I found the Ambition album demo track list. And so this mm. is what it would have been. It would have opened with Only the Best. Wow. Track two was Premature Baby. Mm. Track three was Happened So Fast. Wow. Track four was Oh You Boys. Wow. Track five was Let's Talk About You, which we haven't heard. Yes. Track six is Ambition. Um, track seven is I See right through you or I see through you. Yeah. Track eight is Think of Me. Wow. Track nine is Me or You, which we've heard and not the best quality. Oh, Track okay. 10 is Christ Look Upon Us. And then track 11 is uh, Sam. Uh, yeah. Which is No Second Troy. Yeah. Honestly, from here on out, obviously we don't have Let's Talk About You. I'm going to try and listen to that. I'm going to try and listen to that in that order. Just try it out. I think, I don't know, just based on hearing it, I think I like how it is on Spotify, on the Acting My Age release, more than what it initially would have been. Yeah. But that's just me. That's fair. And then there's a few other songs that are actually registered for copyright. 
that never came out. Um, there's a song called Valentino that um, they did in the studio a few times. There's a song called I've Never Had a Love Like This or something like that, which never came out. So probably will never come out, I'd imagine. Yeah. Um, maybe we'll get lucky one day. Probably not, but I don't think we'll ever hear these. And then there's another song called... Um, they get up, just get on down. Like, don't know what that is. Um, <laughs> uh, Rockin' Right Back to You, I think, was another one they did. Um, and whatnot. So, yeah. Unless that might have been a song they did for, you know, the second graduate. I don't know. So, we'll. Um, Basically, Roland Kurt leave. They get a replacement. They get Darren Hatch, who is Tony Hatch's son. Mm-hmm. He's a Roland spot. Then they had a guy named Nigel Newton. Um, now Darren Hatch played bass, and then Nigel Newton played guitar. And apparently, according to this website, um, they recorded demos with Ian Stanley in mid nineteen eighty one, which is wow. cool. Oh, man, and the connections are crazy, man. I guess Bath's a small place. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> small world. And then, um, according to this, um, John and Steve did promotional work with uh, the Corgis. So yeah. Graduate kind of just fizzled out and died. Yeah. However, after Graduate, Kurt joined Neon, which was Rob Fisher and Pete Byrne. And Neil Taylor also um, joined, and they actually recorded a second single with Neon. Um, yeah. Neon then decided to go on a mini tour, and which this is where Manny Elias comes into the Tears for Fears lore. They invited yes. him to be their drummer. Because he Neil... was the drummer for Magazine, wasn't he? Which was another Mercury artist. No, in- was it Interview? It was Interview, wasn't it? It was Interview, I think. Yeah. Yeah, he was the drummer. Interviewer on Mercury, so that's probably where the contract thing came into play. Yep. Um, Neil leaves, and this is where Roland takes his place. They did some shows. The thing is, though, Neon, um, before Roland and Kurt joined, they were an actual band. They recorded, yeah. they have two singles. Um, like they, they even was show it up. Victims of fact and what was it? Communication without sound. My memory served me correctly. I, I think you're wrong. Actually, but take no. a look on Blue Hat. It's on there for under okay. the music section. Um, but yeah, so like they even showed up on a magazine, or not on, but in a magazine for like a singles release page. Um, I think it was Music Maker. I, I could be wrong. It's also on Blue Hat. Um, but yeah, so the split of Neon um, actually led, you know, the other guys, Rob Fisher and Pete Byrne, to form Naked Eyes, which was a fairly popular 80s band. I personally only know them for always something there to remind me. They had uh, another big and song, Promises, Promises. promises. Yeah, yes, one. those are the only two that I know. I love always something there to remind me. And then, of course, it also led to Roland and Kurt making Tears for Fears. 
Yes, so I think that's quite interesting that this band led to the creation of two other bands, which are decently well-known, you know? Yeah. I'm actually sending you a photo right now I found from a Neon Live gig, and you can see Kurt in the background with his hair completely shaved on the sides, growing out his rat tails. I've seen it. Did you get it from... Blue Hat? Yeah. Yep, I saw it. I, yeah, I did that's so much crazy. homework. <laughs> but yeah, uh, Naked Eyes, they... Uh... No, it's amazing though. You had Neon and you got two big duos out of it. Yeah, exactly. And then Neil and Manny, of course, later on contribute to Tears for Fears. So again, just the connections. Like he said though, Bath is small. Um, I'd love to see it someday. Um, yeah, I yeah. guess. You know, you figure Neil's famous. Everybody wants to the world and solo. Yes. Broken exactly. solo. Mm-hmm. Uh, played on the 90 tour for the Seeds of Love. So he's. Was he also on the Hurting Tour? He might have been. I don't know. Okay. He might have been. I know he was on the uh, end of 83 tour for The Way You Are because he's into my mind's eye. Yes. Okay. All right. But yeah, uh, Naked Eyes were good. Sadly lost Rob Fisher to cancer in mm. the 90s. Wow. But I think, uh, I think was it Pete Byrne? That's the other guy? Yes. He's still keeping the name going, so... Yeah. Props to him. Mm-hmm. You know, and then that's kind of where the story ends. Yeah. Tears for Fears happened and the rest is history. That was the, the big chair. Prologue to <laughs> Tears for Fears. Yeah. Very interesting stuff. And honestly, this was really the first time I've ever thought, listened, and talked about it in depth. Me too. So it was very... like a one off with my mom gratifying yeah. you know mm-hmm. it's very i enjoyed it yeah so yeah. uh i think that's yeah. all we have for you here yeah <laughs> all right um although there was one thing i did want to point out this on blue hat this is quite fascinating in my opinion uh this is a quote from i believe sorry um <laughs> this is a quote from my from uh steve buck from graduate Oh. Um, basically, he said a few weeks later, after we recorded some demos at Ian's place, we went to ro- watch Roe and Kurt at Mole's Club, where we introduced Ian to Roland, and we never heard from Ian again. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. So, wow, ever, so that's, that's so where... there's a there is a direct connection from Graduate to Tears for Fears to Man Crab, even if you want to stretch it. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> you know. So yeah, Steve Buck was the one that introduced. Rolling to you. Does that mean that um, Moles was the uh, gay vegetarian disco? I was thinking the exact same thing. Yeah, so there you you have it. I feel like Roland was pulling our leg by saying that, though. Well, he's pulled our leg for a few things, but we'll get to those. We'll get there. We'll get there. All right. Is there anything else you had to say? um, Thanks for listening. Yeah, thank (laughs) you so much for listening. We made it all the way through. Awesome. Yeah. You know, we love to talk. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes, we do. And our um, next episode, we'll be talking about the singles from their debut album, The Hurting. Oh, okay. That is our next episode, yes. Sweet. So basically what we're going to do here, we don't, we'll probably throw in some bonus episode called bonus episodes, basically kind of go in like a timeline almost where we start from beginning and then go till modern times 
picking yeah. apart things, doing like music videos on that stuff. But yeah. yeah, we'll probably do the hurting singles next. Okay, sweet. Sounds good. Yeah. Yep. So that is all we have for today. Um, yeah. So uh, what was it again? It was so long. Take care and always remember to sow the seeds oh, of love. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. All right. <laughs>